0: Who's got it better than us? Nobody! Welcome to the Michigan Man podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's maze & Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Michigan arrived in Florida Sunday evening, and yesterday held their first practice in preparation for Friday's Orange Bowl. On our game day edition, we're joined today by the angel of the big house, Michigan beat writer Angelique Schengelis from the Detroit News. On Thursday's visitor show, my guest will be Florida State beat writer Wayne McGahee from the Tallahassee Democrats. We were scheduled to have Seminole radio voice Gene Deckerhoff on with us, but his mother-in-law passed away on Christmas Day, so he is attending to Family Matters. Our condolences to Gene and his family. He's one of the really good guys in college football. So let's get it started with my view from Section 17. When Jim Harbaugh and the team arrived in Florida, he said he was glad to be there, loved Florida, and was excited to play a great team in Florida State. It's a business trip. He says that, and so do his players. No one is happy with how the season ended, but with an opponent like the Seminoles on the horizon, there is no time to dwell on what happened at Iowa or down in Columbus. The seniors want to go out on a high note, and getting win number 11 in Jim Harbaugh's second season would be huge. Not only is this a big game for the seniors, but the young guys have been getting a lot of practice reps and getting ready for spring ball already. It's a big game on so many levels for Michigan football. Angelique Schengelis says she believes the players when they say it's all business this week. She says they are looking forward to some fun while they're down there, but they really want to just hang out with their teammates and then on Friday show everyone just how good this Michigan team really is. Michigan beat writer Angelique Schengelis from the Detroit News joins me next here on our game day segment on the Michigan Man, on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the vSporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. game day segment this week as we get ready for the Orange Bowl on Friday is Michigan beat writer Angelique Changelis from the Detroit News. Welcome back, Angelique.
1: Oh, thanks, Mike, and I hope everyone had a great holiday season. Well, it's still the holiday season, right? We have New Year's coming up.
0: Every time I think of the Orange Bowl through the years, I think January 1st, it's that late evening game, 8 p.m., 7 p.m., something like that, kickoff, now it's a Friday this year.
1: I know, and I, I'm, you know, it, it is really hard to kind of wrap your head around that, but it is, and you know, it's it's uh, it, it's going to be weird to be done, really wrap up this football season in the calendar year, because you know you usually you do have that January one kickoff, and, and it just sort of springboards into spring practice, and it's only a few days difference, of course, but it just sounds different when you, when you think Orange Bowl. You're right; you do think of New Year's, so. It's a little different, but it is really hot here, so that hasn't changed.
0: That's uh, going to be a nice break for you and everyone. Uh, you got down there yesterday, of course. The team arrived uh, around 7 p.m. They went right to the hotel. So between fun and practice, it's going to be a very busy week for them and for you.
1: You know there's no fun on these bowl trips, Mike. Come on. <laughs> Don't let anyone tell you that they, this is fun. It's not fun. No. I mean, it looks like they're already getting into their game rooms and stuff at the hotel, which you know they did last year too but it was it they really do take a business like approach and when they say it they mean it i mean they were not going out and and you know a lot of times they don't look forward to all these events on their schedule they just want to hang out at the hotel and and just chill and you know i think they have one day where they're going to the beach so i think they're all looking forward to that but But this is really, their focus is getting the 11th win, and and my focus is not getting (laughs) sunburned.
0: That might be a tough task this week down there. If you look at that extended forecast, great football weather, though. Um, Most of the players, uh, as you mentioned, that, that I've heard speak to the media are saying the same thing. This is a business trip. It just happens to be in a warm place. And we hear bowl teams say that, it seems, every year, Angelique. Jim Harbaugh seems to really get that point across to his team, doesn't he?
1: I agree. I, I mean, really, yeah, and you're right. We've heard it before, but I, I happened to stay at the team hotel last year purely by accident. And you know, I, I would be in there eating, and they would just be marching in, going to their meetings. There was never any flurry of activity in the, in that hotel. Like, you know, I've been to Rose Bowls where they've had the the seniors get cars and everybody's piling in, and they go out and do whatever. And none of that. I didn't see any of that, and I it wasn't like really you know watching the sea but when i would be in the lobby it was there was never any activity and um, you know they they had trips to SeaWorld and stuff last year and I, I don't think a lot of them really jumped on that opportunity and um i think they really do want to rest their bodies they know it's hot they've got to they really want to kind of stay relaxed but um they have a couple dinners here and then they will go to that as a team but they're very they're not they're not long windows of time that they have to spend on, on these other activities so it is purely football focused purely team stay with your team and hang out with with those guys especially the seniors and, uh, yeah, I think I think Harbaugh brings a different level of that business-like approach that, that I have not seen here before.
0: And getting acclimated is uh, very important this week. Uh, we've been practicing up here, but, of course, inside, maybe a bit outdoors, uh, the weather hasn't been horrible. But now you're down in Florida, and, of course, uh, the Seminoles are used to this kind of weather, and they're playing in their home state. Do you think that gives them some advantage in this game on Friday night.
1: It might, Mike, but you know, they they've been Michigan's been practicing in, in Glick and turned up the heat. So it was about eighty, eighty five. And um, you know, they, they do prac they do play in that early in the football season in, in Michigan. And um, you know, I, I'm sure you, you do have to get your body used to it. It is very humid here. I mean it's it's really it's not only hot, but the the humidity is very steep. And I was looking at the the Friday forecast the day the the uh game day and it does not look as, uh, I think it's Friday. I was just looking at game day, so I, I, I'm, I'm thinking it's a, it's Friday. And it looks like the temperature actually drops off a little bit. And and so maybe that won't be as huge a factor, like, you know, about 70 a kickoff versus this 80, 83 in high humidity. So, uh, you know, I think it could work in, the, in the Florida State's favor, but I, I think that Michigan's going to be prepared for it.
0: Well, Michigan fans were, of course, uh, Angelique disappointed with how the season ended—the near miss in the playoffs—but they sure grabbed up the tickets for this game, didn't they?
1: It's a chance to be in Florida when everybody else is freezing in Michigan. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's still the Orange Bowl. I think a lot of people remember the last time Michigan was here—that '99 game going into 2000 and Tom Brady—and you know, it is still magical. And it's a chance for the team to get to 11 wins, which is—it is that's a, it's a pretty nice mark and you know, like Ryan Glasgow was saying, you get to 10 wins, that's, that's really good. 11 wins. Now you're kind of creeping into the more elite area. And as you know, there are a lot of Michigan alums in this area in Florida. So I think that, that a lot of those people, you know, looking forward to, to seeing their team in, in state. And I think that there will be a lot of people traveling and based on the, the airline prices, I'm sure it's the holidays too, but there, it was very steep, uh, air travel wise to, to get to Florida. So I'm, I'm assuming part of that is for, for bowl people who want to attend the bowl.
0: No, oh, I would guess that uh, is exactly right. Yeah. You know, I was reading a story last week uh, that surprised me. It said that the ticket demand and the pricing in those secondary markets rivals both of the playoff games, which that surprised me, Angelique.
1: A little bit, but, you know, Michigan is a big draw. And, you know, I think that this is a great matchup for a state. So you have a lot of the people in state who want to see their Seminoles play, too, and you know, it's not, it's not a matchup you see that often, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've scoured looking at other bowl games and, and I'd started even from the, uh, the championship games, like the big 10 championship. And those tickets were just going for nothing by, you know, a couple of days before the game and same, you know, for instance, the cotton bowl with, with Western Michigan and, and Wisconsin, those, those tickets, they're, they're basically giving them away, but um, but Michigan tickets I think are pretty consistent year after year when I when I look at them on the secondary market, Mike, and they're pretty they're usually in demand. And um, you know, I think that it helps having Florida State here. So that you'll have a lot of those those fans gobbling up tickets too, but they'll drop off a little bit by game time. They usually do, but yeah, they've been pretty consistent, staying at a pretty good margin uh or a a good uh a good Decent price. I mean, they're not dropping into the single digits like I've seen some of these other bowl games. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a team that Michigan was a team that could have been in in that fourteen playoff, and people want to see how good they are. And, And I think that the players have talked a lot about proving to those people who thought that Michigan was good enough to be in the playoff that yes, indeed they were good enough. So. Um, I think it, I think it's going to be a really good game, and I think that's what people are expecting, and that's why the tickets are in demand.
0: Well, as we mentioned, Angelique, the team arrived uh, Monday, or Monday, sorry, uh, Christmas night, uh, which was Sunday night. We're recording this on Monday morning. Uh, Jim was asked about the health of his team when he got there, and he said that there were a few players dinged up. Really, no details that I saw offered, but have you heard anything about who some of those injured players might be, or who might be questionable for Friday?
1: I have not, and we will have an opportunity to watch a couple practices. I think basically stretching, Mike. I think that's what <laughs> we get to see, and and maybe be able to pick out who's not there. Um, but no, I had not heard of any injuries, and um, you know he hasn't. Yeah, you, know, you know Jim's not going to give mm. you much in in terms of names and and who's who has been hurt, who hasn't been practicing as much, but. Um, I'm sorry, I don't have the details on that, but um, hopefully we'll be able to find out attending these these very interesting stretching practices. <laughs> That's what I call them. It's really all we ever see, maybe some kicking.
0: Well, Wilton Spate said last week his health uh, has improved dramatically since the Ohio State game. He might not be 100% yet, we don't know, but that certainly is very good news for Michigan, Angelique.
1: It really is. And, you know, he looked, he looked healthier. I know, I know that sounds goofy. You know, he wasn't, I didn't see him throwing. He was, we were just talking to him after the uh, the Inside Michigan football radio show. And, um, you know, he's never really carried his left arm like it's been a problem. And so it's hard to tell. And and he said, it's, it's hard to say, he, he said it was very hard to describe the kind of pain he was in in the Ohio State game during that week versus now. And he um, certainly was in some pain, obviously, in that game. But um, having the two weeks off and not really having to do much, she said really helped him. And he's probably, you know, not a hundred percent, like you said, but he's getting there. And um, I'd asked him if he was wearing some kind of harness for that left shoulder during the Ohio State game. Cause I thought it seemed something under his, uh, under his uh, jersey. And he just said that the equipment people took care of him. So, you know, I think he's, He's made do with with uh, the injury, and but I, I don't, I didn't get the sense from him that it's going to be certainly not the issue it was that week, just because of the rest and because that they've been he's been going through rehab and and really, I mean really attacked it that week. You know he was off, didn't play against Indiana until the Ohio State game. So with that extra month, wow, I mean he's going to be close to. Close
0: to 100%. With us here on our Game Day segment, as we preview this Friday's Orange Bowl with Florida State is Michigan beat writer Angelique Schengelis from the Detroit News. Angelique, Florida State and Michigan are, of course, two of the marquee programs in college football, but have only met twice. And I'm not sure if many of our younger listeners know this, or they don't remember it, but in 1986, in a game Michigan won 20-18, a very familiar name was at quarterback for Michigan. Uh, Do you
1: remember that game? That? who are you talking about? Who I don't could know that who you talking about, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't I don't remember. I do, I wasn't covering the team then, but um it was horrible and and he talked a little bit about it and you know how he talks about mm-hmm. he, when he's sort of reluctant to replay games, he'll talk about what he remembers about what was associated with, with making trips to uh to Florida and talking about palm trees and and all that stuff. So yeah, he did talk a little bit about that. Now, I do remember the last meeting in 91, and that was in uh, in Michigan Stadium. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember the late uh, Brian Burwell, who was our columnist then, he had been standing behind uh, the Florida State bench at the end of the game. And, you know, Florida State obviously won that game um, by a substantial margin. And he said he, he remembers, like, one of the players, one of the, the Florida State players putting his head back and – stretched out his arms and said, is this the best the big 10 has to offer? Mm -hmm. And he was just laughing. And, um, I, you know, that was a pretty, that's when you realize, okay, there is some difference here, maybe in speed. And, and Michigan had learned going to the Rose bowl playing Washington, that there was some difference in defensive speed. And, and they certainly try to, to change that and, and learn from those games. But, um, but the, that's my experience uh, covering the Florida state. And I can't believe that was 1991. That was a long time ago, but um, yeah. And then 86 before that. So it is, it, it's almost sad sometimes when you think about Mike that it takes, it does take a bowl game like this and how many years later to have teams like this match up. Cause I certainly wouldn't would like to see a Florida state Michigan regular season game or, you know, a lot of other teams I'd like to see. And, and this is one of them.
0: Absolutely. I think we'd all like to see that. That would be a huge draw nationally. But uh, talking about that 91 game for just a minute, Angelique, I was there. I think most of us had never seen a Michigan defense give up 51 points. Uh, Mm -hmm. And the difference in speed, that's when we all started to talk about it. Wow. Uh, The ACC, the SEC, they are really fast. And it was an interesting comment I thought that uh, Bobby Bowden made a couple of weeks ago when he said that that game in 1991 marked the arrival of Florida State, in his mind, is a national power. And uh, I think he's right on about that. They were good, but they've been very good ever since.
1: No, you're right. I mean, and, and he's right. I mean, that was winning on a stage like that. I mean, Michigan Stadium, you had a national audience, television audience, and uh, some pretty big names on the field. And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, they really haven't They really haven't had many drop-offs. Since, uh, maybe a couple here and there, little dips. But Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was impressive, the speed and that, that's what I recall about that game. And, and I remember Brian's quote, I mean, coming up and telling us that in the press box and that they were just, you know, they realized that they had arrived, they'd beaten the best of the big 10 at that time. And, um, it, it was interesting, but it, and it was interesting then, you know, watching how Michigan understood from the loss, that loss, and then, and then in the Rose bowl, that they had places where they needed to make up ground. And and that was the focus. And that became a focus in recruiting and and finding that kind of talent to bring in. And it was interesting. I mean, I remember talking to Gary Moeller. It was was hard for him. He wanted to recruit speed, but he also really wanted to maintain that base in, in Michigan and Ohio because that game was so important that, you know, you wanted to have the right balance of guys from Ohio and from Michigan who understood that rivalry while also expanding your horizons and going into California and bringing in receivers and, and you know, people who could help you in, in the speed side that maybe you weren't getting from your base of recruiting. And I just remember we talked about that for a while one time. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think a lot of it was because of, of how those performances went, those games.
0: Well, it certainly changed things. And they have never looked back, of course, uh, even though Bobby Bowden is gone. Let's talk about this Friday's matchup, though, Angelique, which is uh, intriguing, to say the least, on offense. Florida State led by a redshirt freshman quarterback. And I have to say, I'm not sure how I pronounce his name, DeAndre Francois. That's
1: correct. You oh, were really working on your French.
0: I guess. That's <laughs> it's, it's, uh, all I know, too, by the way. Uh, you know, I haven't seen them play much this year. You know, as busy as we are paying attention to the Big Ten, you, you basically, I basically just see uh, clips here and there on ESPN. But this kid's numbers, when you stop and look at what he's done as a redshirt freshman, not really a, a great runner, but a good runner. He's mobile. He's taken very good care of the football. He has not thrown many interceptions this year. He's just a good-looking quarterback for as young as he is.
1: Yeah, he is. And that's the key. He's young, which makes me think, wow, this guy's going to get really good. Because I watched uh, one of the early season games, Now I can't remember who they were playing. And uh, I was actually watching with my mother. And as people know what my mother, she says (laughs) really amazingly goofy stuff. She was the whole game talking more about the the horse that the spots had to be painted <laughs> on the horse a Florida state horse but um but no, watching that game, I was really impressed with him and and you know you're right i mean not not the most mobile guy they're gonna face, but i mean his his eighteen touchdowns and to six interceptions is a pretty good that's a pretty good ratio for a young guy and mm-hmm. and he completes sixty one percent of his passes and and he has rushed for four touchdowns, which you know isn't that's not crazy it's not unusual I mean Wilton's run for a couple but um I mean he is he's a young guy and I, I just I'm looking forward to seeing where his career goes because I think he's he's got a, a very big upside and um I know you're going to mention Dalvin Cook I mean mm-hmm. he's the guy that every Michigan player has talked about besides uh, Francois but I mean, he's going to be their focal point, but I don't want to take away your thunder because I know you're going to you're going to talk about Dalvin.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, th- one of the reasons that uh, young Mr. Francois does not have to be a great runner is he just has to turn mm-hmm. around and hand off. And I was talking to Ben Gedeon last week, had him on the show, and I asked him, uh, you've seen a lot of pretty good backs this year, Ben, and now you've seen a lot of tape on Dalvin Cook. Uh, how would you describe him? And he said, Mike, we haven't seen anything like this guy. He said, "He, he the big difference with him is... How he cuts at full speed and how he comes out of that pack at full speed. He just said we haven't seen anything like him yet.
1: Well, that's been really consistent. That's that's been the response from from most of the players I've talked to. And you know, I think uh, Demonte Thomas said this this past week that that Saquon Barkley is is the guy that they thought was the best back they'd seen all season, at least out of the Big Ten. And um, but then they said this guy is is just another level. And Ryan Glasgow said he's definitely the best guy they faced and i mean he's he, he's a junior he's set all these records of florida state rushing already he's a couple yards away from setting a few more records and he's got 18 rushing touchdowns and he's seventh nationally in, in rushing i think he's averaging like 135 136 yards a game mike and um but it's exactly what ben told you i mean that's what you know ryan was saying it's like you think they've got him dead to, the defenses have them dead to rights and then he just you know, emerges and explodes. And, and they all talked about that Clemson game where he had big chunk yardage runs. And that's what impressed them. And that's what caught their notice. And they understand that, that to stop this offense, they have to stop him. I don't, you know, I guess you can double cliche. You got to slow him. You don't have to stop him. But I think they need to stop him. And, and then I think that, you know, you see what Francois can do. A young guy in a bowl set, setting against the number two defense. You see what what he's capable of doing but if they take away cook if they can take away cook as well as possible then then certainly this defense has done its job but i mean michigan's got the 13th you know 13th ranked rush defense and what cook was telling reporters in florida state last week is he understands watching their film they have he has to be patient he you know he's got to be really aware where what the defense is giving and you know, i think that the Michigan defenders feel more confident because they've got Don Brown, who, when he was at Boston College, faced this guy and, and cooked him gain a lot of yards against Boston College last year when, when Don Brown was there. So I think they feel like they've got a good, you know, good feeling for how to defend this guy.
0: Well, as good as this uh, Florida State offense has been this year, Angelique, they've had some issues, and those issues have been up front in their offensive line, mm-hmm. especially protecting Francois. So a key matchup, of course, is going to be their offensive line against Michigan's deep and talented front. Uh, at least that's how I see it.
1: I, th- I think so too. And you know, Glasgow was talking about. He said size-wise, they they remind him of of Wisconsin, and maybe they're faster, he says. But but you're right; they're they're not great. I mean, this is uh, this is where a veteran defensive line comes in—a a line that can rotate and probably will have to because of the heat issues on on. on uh, Game night, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's where Michigan has, has an advantage again, and this is their chance to show people. That's what they keep talking about. This is our chance to show people we are the best defense in the country, and we should be in the in the uh, playoff. And here's a perfect opportunity for them to do that. But you know, I, I, Florida State's offense is is no. I mean, that's they're pretty good, and if they can take control of that line of scrimmage, I think that that. I guess that's every game, right? I know if you control mm-hmm. that you're going to really have a you're really going to have a very good chance to to slow an offense and that's absolutely going to be critical. But um but boy, stopping Dallin Cook that's got to be the number one priority.
0: And that will be job number 1. And then when you look over on the other side of the ball, that Florida State mm-hmm. defense, that's one of the best D's in the country. Uh, Tavares mm-hmm. McFadden led the nation in inter- <laughs> interceptions with 8. Uh, the other corner, Marquez White, <laughs> Is playing in the senior bowl. He's going to be playing on Sundays, and they've generated 47 sacks this year. Granted, uh, they, they're playing against uh, some ACC offensive lines that people say aren't that good, but hey, who cares? Uh, 47 sacks. To me, then, when you flip it over on the other side of the ball, one of the keys in this game will be Michigan's offensive line, and we've talked about them so much over the last few years, but again, They've got to come big against this defense.
1: Well, they do, and you know, I think looking back at that Florida bowl game last year it was the offensive line might have been their best game, and they because they had a month off, they had time to to heal and and prepare. And and I feel like that talking to Magnuson and Kalis and and Braden, these guys want a big send off, and what better way to do that as a you know the the departing offensive lineman than to have that kind of game against Florida State? But you're right, I mean. Florida State of Michigan are one and two nationally in sacks. And, um, you know, DeMarcus Walker is a guy who's really caught their attention. And, I mean, I think he's, I think he's accounted for 15, 15 sacks. I mean, he's, and 17, 17 or 18 uh, tackles for loss. So, I mean, he's going to be a, a big concern for them. But, boy, McFadden, too, on, on as you mentioned. I mean, that guy's another young guy who's really um, – he was, was really outstanding looking forward to seeing some of their their guys that's the thing you know we we're talking about you don't really get to see this team very much so it is going to be fun to see how good these guys are against uh, i i would imagine a little bit better offense than than the teams that they faced on a regular basis not all of them in the acc of course but um i, I think it's going to be a great test for this michigan offensive line though and they, they want to show something they want to prove something. And and I think we've said it all along, Mike, they're better. It's not a great offense line, but, but the Michigan's offense line has been better than it's been the last couple of years. And um, and they'll get to show it.
0: Absolutely. When you talk to the people down there at Florida State, uh, they're saying this might be one of their best defensive fronts ever, which is saying a lot because they've had some very good defenses from the Bobby Bowden years up until now. So hard to believe. Uh, but But yes, to me, if you look at all of the keys to the game, that is number one to me. I know stopping Dalvin Cook is huge, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that Michigan offensive line has got to establish early.
1: Oh, definitely. And and Harbaugh has said it, too. He said this might be the best defensive line they they faced, and, and maybe he said it was the, um, the best. But, uh, you know, it's going to be – Wilton's going to have a chance to throw the ball, I think if if the offensive line can give them some protection. I mean, they they give up some yards in the passing game now, Florida State does. So, um, you know, I think that, that if this offensive line can perform and if they get some good pass protection, I mean, that's where Davion Smith is going to come come up big, I think, in, in this game too. And, you know, they'll rely on him to run the ball, of course, but he's going to be important in pass protection because I, I think that, you know, Khalid Hill was saying this week that they're going to really try to establish the run, and, and that's, that's going to be the, a big part of the game plan, but Wilton's going to have a chance to throw the ball. And, and if he's as healthy as, as he says he's getting, then that part of his game that was missing against Ohio State should be there against Florida State. And and I know you got McFadden back there with his eight interceptions, but um, generally speaking, they've given up some passing yards. So I think that that's going to be an opportunity for Michigan as well in, based on that offensive line. Hey, offensive line controls everything to me, in my mind. You can have a mediocre quarterback, but if you have a great offensive line, um, then I think all things are possible. (laughs) So this line has to play like a great one.
0: You know, last week I had John Jansen on the show, and he told me something interesting. He said that he thought this Friday night in the Orange Bowl, it could be a preview of two teams that could be in the playoffs next year. And, of course, a lot has to happen between now and then, but what do you think about that, Angelique?
1: Gosh, you know, I, I, I couldn't believe it in January last year after the, the championship game, when people were saying, Oh, Michigan's going to be a playoff team, Michigan's gonna be a playoff team. I'm like, really? What do they know? And maybe it's not too early. I mean, they were, they were close to being right. I mean, Michigan was in the thick of it. I mean, you think about those, the the losses to Iowa and, and Ohio state, what small margins those were and how close they were. But you know, I, <laughs> I want to say, oh no, they're going to lose too much, Mike. But I actually think that they have a lot of really good pieces coming in, young pieces, but good pieces. I mean, I think this offensive line is actually going to get better. I think Bredesen having a lot of, of experience this year that's going to help. I would imagine Mason Cole, you know, he's dipping his toe in the NFL, you know, to see what the what scouts are saying about him. But he'll be back, and then you've got someone like Michael Owenyu, who's just ginormous, and and he's a guy who's going to fill in a guard. I I think the line's going to get better, and yes, you lose some huge talent in the in the secondary and certainly on the defensive line, but there are a lot of really good players behind them, and you, you have Wilton Spate, and maybe there's me another quarterback competition. I would imagine. And I would think Wilton will emerge as a guy who's led this team over this past year, has all those starts, shows how tough he is to play through an injury. And yeah, I mean, I, I do think that they'll be in the thick of it. You look at the schedule, it's a tough schedule. I mean, they've got some big road games, all those nice cozy games at home this year, give way to games at you know, Dallas against Florida and then and Wisconsin and Penn state. So it's going to be a tough schedule, but then they've got the big games at home too, Michigan state and Ohio state. So, yeah, I don't think it's too early to say that they're a team that's going to be a contender. But I think people are going to scratch their head a little bit when you say that because you're like, oh, they're losing. all oh, these guys are going to play in the NFL. But I think it's just showing, you know, Harbaugh, I think he's confident with the way recruiting's going this year, but certainly last year. And, and he's bringing in young guys who've already played a lot, and we've seen them on the field already this season. And those are guys that – Michigan's going to have to rely on, and and I think they've got some really good talent.
0: Well, last question for you, Angelique, and then we'll let you get out to practice there. Uh, How big is this game, do you think, in setting the tone for Michigan and next season?
1: Oh, I always thought that was hokey, you know, and guys say, oh, it's a springboard for the season, but it is. I mean, they feel good about themselves going, if they get a win, and and yes, a lot of the guys who are going to be on this winning team, if they get it, are leaving for the NFL so it doesn't impact them in that way. But for the guys coming back and the guys coming in, it, to play on an 11-win team is, is a pretty big deal. And to know that they were four points away from from winning those games, um, or that's what separated them from the wins, you know, I think they're going to feel pretty good about themselves, especially if they get a win over a team like this and see what they can do against Dalvin Cook, see what they can do against DeAndre Francois, yeah, and certainly, if they can move the ball against this defensive line, and and you know, and and Tavares McFadden, I think that boosts their confidence a lot, and it carries over because they're going to start off-season workouts immediately, and then they're going to be in spring ball before we know it. So it, it's there's a it's, it's a carryover for sure. I never used to really think that, but but now I do because I think the season it just felt like in the past there used to be longer gaps between things, you know. Now it's football all year. And and I do think that that's uh, – it, it is something that, that they will carry on and they can build upon. And, uh, you know, if they lose, is it the reverse? Oh, is it going to devastate them? No. But, you know, it, when they do get a win, I think it, the momentum really does, does help a team.
0: Absolutely. I agree with that. Our guest today has been Michigan beat writer Angelique Schengelis from the Detroit News. As always, Angelique, it's a pleasure having you on the show, and I hope you enjoy your week in sunny Florida and get a little fun in. So, uh, happy <laughs> new year, and we will look forward to our next visit, Angelique.
1: Yeah, I'll be uh, obviously sending selfies. You know, I'll be out on the <laughs> beach. You know, they're going to be practicing. <laughs> I'll be out on the snow. Unfortunately, that's not going to be the case. But thank you, Mike. I really appreciate you having me on this season. And uh, and happy new year to you and, and to, to your podcast listeners. Quick hits
0: is next as we wrap it up here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Quick hits today. We'll have an injury update for you on Thursday's show. Jim said on Sunday there are a few players dinged up, but he didn't go into any detail. Wilton Spade says he's feeling good and ready to go, which is big. On Thursday's visitors segment, my guest will be Seminole beat writer Wayne McGehee from the Tallahassee Democrat, so make sure you join us for that. On next week's show, we'll recap the Orange Bowl and take one final look back at this season. My scheduled guest is beat writer Nick Baumgartner from MLive. My free show app is available from the Google Play and iTunes stores, and you can also hear us now on iHeartRadio. Just do a search for The Michigan Man and save us in your favorites. I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas, and you are enjoying some downtime as we say goodbye to another year. And don't forget to join us on Thursday for our Visitor's Edition with Florida State beat writer Wayne McGahee from the Tallahassee Democrat. That will do it for today. Thanks again to my guest, Michigan beat writer Angelique Shengelis from the Detroit News. It is always a pleasure to have her join us. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the vSporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue.